0: Hello, welcome back to the Corner of Gray Street podcast. I'm Bruce, and I'm joined by the coolest cat, all of
1: all the cool cats and kittens out there. Wow. Nolan, what's happening, man? Wow, that is high praise, and (laughs) I'm just doing the same thing I do every day, and that's stuck at home, uh, spending some quality time with my eight-month-old. Ooh. Hey Jude. Yes, that's right. He says hello. <laughs> oh man,
0: what a, what a G! He's the best. He's the and, man. Um, you know, he's eight months, but we are turning one year old, Nolan. Um, wow! By the time that you are hearing this, it would have passed already. Our one year anniversary of our first episode is June thirteenth,
1: a Saturday of this year, Nolan. Wow. Incredible. I mean, I can't believe it's already been a year, and Bruce, we've done a lot in this past year, and I'm pretty proud of everything that we've accomplished. Absolutely, um, as you should be. Should be proud of all of the
0: epic, um, terrible takes that you've had over <laughs> the last year. But uh, no, but more so, some of the epic graphics you've put up, the epic oh, editing of episodes. Um, you know reeling in Mr. Norlander for a few episodes there um it's been <laughs> fantastic it's been a great um we we've, we've been a good team i believe so far and oh, we've yeah. received so many great compliments from uh, fans of the show it's been it's been one hell of a ride no we've seen some shows together during this time we've done some tailgate talks yeah. live from the lots we've done um, it all we have. And we tried to do a couple of fun things on the anniversary. I'm not really sure exactly what we did because as of recording this, we don't have it all nailed down yet, but um, <laughs> hopefully we did some cool things for you guys um, to thank you. And we do thank you. And hopefully we continue to grow over the next year. One yeah. that may
1: or may not have any live shows associated with it. Thank you to everyone who has been listening and supporting us. We We did 31 episodes this past year, and that equated to 40,000 downloads. And when we started, I don't think we thought—we didn't think it'd be anywhere close to that. We didn't think anybody would listen. We just wanted to do it. And uh, so for all the support and feedback and listening that y'all have done, uh, we could not be more grateful. It really makes us happy that that people like listening to this podcast— Amen.
0: Very well said. And forty thousand. Wow. I mean, you're the numbers guy here, and you relay these things to me, and then I am always floored by your uh, by your reports. So
1: that is awesome. I'm a little disappointed though because it should have been forty-one thousand, and that's just that's just a poor reflection on the fan base. Let's come on, guys. <laughs>
0: it will be as soon as we <laughs> release this. Yeah, um, it will be, and we will put out a forty-one graphic because we're losers. <laughs> Said losers with a lot of free time right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and free time because there is no Dave Matthews Band 2020 summer tour. And Nolan, that would have begun this upcoming Tuesday, June 16th, which is the day this podcast is releasing. And it was going to start Ooh. with two nights at Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut. So, uh, Nolan, since we couldn't, you know, get any music, since the band couldn't bring any music to Mohegan, mm-hmm. we're bringing music from Mohegan to our fans, to the podcast listenership. Nolan, tell them what we're going to do
1: here. Well, it is no coincidence that this podcast is coming out on June 16th. We are going to highlight the two previous shows at Mohegan Sun, one 2012 show and one 2018 show, both December winter tour. So I hope you guys enjoy these highlights. So you can just imagine what... The uh, the two nights stand in Mohegan may have been like this year. Yeah, exactly. It would have been kind of odd to
0: open the summer tour yet again indoors. They did it last year. They're gonna they were gonna do it again this year. Um, and these shows both fall on in the fall tour of an album year. So you know, with Away from the World in twenty twelve, and come tomorrow in twenty eighteen. Um, so that's also something to keep in mind here as we go through these, and we start with December 8th, 2012. We start with our Best of Mohegan tour with December 8th, 2012. Uh, Nolan, the show begins very interestingly in where Fonz comes in with a little people, people tease to start the show. They're out on stage just kind of messing around, and Stefan, the Only acknowledgement of this song on the stage since January 26th of 1993. Thank you, Almanac. Um, (laughs) Fonz playing some bass lines of People People. We'll play it right here for you.
1: But, Nolan, that's kind of interesting and odd. Very interesting and odd. And you know what? Fonz just gets it. He's the guy in the band who gets it. And we love Fonz. Absolutely. So take a quick listen to this People People
0: tease. And then we will get the show started.
1: And, I mean, everyone in the band gets it, but Fonz is a man of the people, and we love Fonz, and <laughs> that was just a pretty cool uh, little treat there, and uh, kudos to the Almanac for for throwing that up on there as well. Um, you know, it goes into Ehi, which is an opener that we saw a few times in that winter run in 2012, and Bruce, we actually both saw it um in Raleigh together on December 12th and you saw it open SPAC night too you know not my favorite of openers it's kind of one of those you've seen it once you've just you've seen it um but it's got it packs a punch I'll admit what are your thoughts
0: yeah I think it's it was a decent opener I mean it it opened a few times it's not what I go in clamoring for Mm -mm. but um you know, it's kind of fun. It builds and whatever. It's not my favorite song, and you know, it's kind of fallen off the face of the earth, really, here over the last few years. I don't know the last time that it was played, but it's been a while, it seems. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you know, it's it's cool. It's uh, Tim laying some hard and heavy stuff in the in the background, kind of thing, driving it. So it's fun. Um. But I think that if you had swapped that with the next two songs uh, to open the show, it would have been a little a little better just in my opinion but big eyed fish and the bartender here in this two and three slot Um, um hello little tour debuts for the fall 2012 tour there uh that's that's always a combo that i would take at any show
1: yes i agree i'd take bartender at every show and the fish tender segue obviously is um for me the highlight of this show i thought this was great um the jamming on bartender in this one so good there are two like separate jams in this that really stood out to me and jeff carter obviously own it and bruce we should listen to it
0: oh man absolutely um they are tearing it apart and then you know as always tim does some good stuff here i mean there's like six to seven minutes of good solid jamming here in this outro really good music um so yeah let's play a little bit right here and um You know, I would suggest that anybody go seek out this version. The end of it is, I mean, I think we both agreed that's the highlight of the show here. Love that uh the show kind of continues on here we've got funny the way it is and they took away that intro that had become more popular in the summer so they just kind of directly uh entered this song with a direct intro boo mm. yeah boo for sure i liked that intro. i did too um so i don't know why they got rid of it maybe they were just like all right we kind of jammed out there let's do some short and quick songs here for a few minutes yeah um and then our first away from the world tune here, "Rooftop," and the song, fine, cool, it was a standard version, but uh, some pretty funny and fitting Dave speak post "Rooftop." I hope you have a
1: good weekend. I hope none of you lose your ass. Can't <laughs> all get it?
0: Lose your ass. You know. In the olden days, when I was a young one,
1: I liked them one arm bandits. Shake yeah. it. Felt like I was doing something. Carter and I were just talking about it. Shake it. Shake it. And if you pulled it hard,
0: shake it. Sometimes soft. Shake it. You know, it was up to you. Now they took all the joint out of it. Now it's just.
1: Whatever you say, Dave. Yeah, of course. Next up, Mercy. Back to back Away From The World songs. This fall winter tour was jam-packed with Away From The World songs. And it was, I don't know, a fairly lackluster Tour, I think, would be safe to say, um, nothing, nothing too crazy happened. Um, but we've always liked Mercy, and this is a good version. A little too long, at nine and a half minutes, Bruce. But uh, some nice piano by Dave. If you guys forgot, if you're a new fan, Dave used to play the piano on this, and he does a he does a nice job. And Carter gets after it too. This is a it's a nice version yeah
0: i would agree um not as good as the most recent warehouse disc mercy version where they actually change uh the key i think that uh the key of the outro in the middle buddy changes it and it i mean it sounded fantastic and they only played it once of course the best mercy ever and they uh they changed the way the outro goes and they only play it once because i mean why not but anyways this one yeah there's some good carter in here um dave is throwing a little bit extra on the on the piano um so i think that it was a pretty solid version and then post mercy we have a little improv you know they're going into out of my hands here um but this is obviously an early death on the high seas nolan um and i think that you know may, while it may not be the most popular song they've ever done um there's been a couple of good bramford marsalis moments with the song but uh, this is pretty cool to see how um, you know pre-debut this song was kind of forming in Dave's
1: improvs out of mercy and into out of my hands honestly Bruce this is just a nice catch on your part uh, this was not on the Almanac let's get it together guys um yeah, but, seriously God. but seriously great catch because honestly I could not even tell you a single thing or anything about how death on the high seas sounds or anything about it. I <laughs> have seen it live I think twice. It is the most forgettable DMB song to me. I just I couldn't tell you how it goes at all. No clue. So <laughs> <laughs> It's nice piano work by Dave here. I like it. But sure, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying it's a throwaway
0: song. Um no, I get you. Yeah. I don't even think he ever references death or the seas in the song mm-hmm. from what I remember I don't know um, but anyways flows in that out of my hands uh, no thanks I do not want to see that at a concert um, I guess it's still kind of politically relevant from when they wrote it for stand up but you know mm-hmm. who cares uh, you know we kind of can breeze through this next portion of the show we've got Grey Street solid uh, you might die trying with solid had a decent Dave outro there um, a nice cool down with Belly Full, which is a, you know, kind of a rarity there, Nolan. Yeah, um, I liked hearing very that. quick. Yeah, just kind of a little quick uh, breather there before they kick into another
1: Belly song. <laughs> uh, belly, Belly Nice. Yeah, and you heard this open, our episode, and we both had the same note about it. I think as soon as, like, the beginning kicks in, we were like, oh, it'd be a great way to start the show. It's like... I love this song. I think it is classic DMB. It has that sound, and obviously, Boyd, uh, it's a song for boy for him to show off a little bit. Um, but besides the fact that they always muted him on it, yeah, the studio version, <laughs> solid. But yeah, he. Uh, anyways, I think this is a great song. They played the hell out of it when it first came out, and yeah. it has not been around much at all in the last couple years, and we. I wish it would come back. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much played it you know,
0: almost every show uh, in the fall tour, every show in the um, – so, I mean, they played it so much over those years that I think people were just, all right, I mean, sheesh, we got it, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that has you know, contributed to the negative sentiment surrounding that song, but I agree with you, it's fun, and I'd like to see it come back again at some point. Um, and a song that we did see come back in 2020 already and in Vegas was the riff, Nolan. And this was a pretty solid version, but I would say that the one that we got this year was better than this one.
1: I would definitely agree with you. And, uh, you know, nothing noteworthy about this version. It's just it's just a solid song. Um, and I think when it's placed correctly, it's obviously better. If you're in the middle of a run where it's like, oh, another... 'cause half the song is quiet. It's just build up. Um, you know, could kinda use use some energy and then following up by following it up with everyday, not not sure that was the route everyone was hoping for, but it's okay. hmm
0: Yeah, it's just kind of thrown in here in the middle of this meh part of the show, or just kind of standard, I guess, for twenty twelve. Um everyday was Everyday is a song that I'm never yes, when they start playing it, um, I can get into it, but yeah. it is just for some reason has never just grabbed me. Um this one has Boyd plucking on the intro as opposed to, you know, his normal playing. Now I'm not sure if this was part of I remember when he would drop his bow some back <laughs> in the day a little bit, back in the I think early twenty tens ish. Um maybe did he drop it? Did he just Want to try something different? I don't know. It was kind of cool, I guess, but um, standard everyday. Uh, drunken soldier. After this, I'm not the biggest fan of that song. It's okay. It's meh. But then we um, whoa whoa get a couple, whoa dude. oh here here we go. We do we have some uh, we have some arguing to do. Don't be talking bad about my drunken soldier.
1: Mm,
0: it's okay. Um, standard <laughs> don't drink here, Nolan, and we have uh, the first. Interesting. Now, I'd say big eyed fish in the tender is a good uh, segue
1: here, but mm-hmm. our first um, unexpected segue. Yeah, and it's goat. Don't drink in a typical. Give me that. Yeah, that never happens. And don't drink the water. Obviously, a staple. Typical become, has become more of a rarity, and we wish it would happen more. But that makes the segue that much more exciting and impressive. And kudos to Dave absolutely this was pretty cool uh jeff comes in uh with a nice
0: solo before they go into the breakdown the seven eight jam um and then carter throws in some nice improv here so let's uh we're gonna chop up some music here and throw it on just take a little listen because this is a pretty good version of typical as are most so enjoy some of typical situation
1: Typical. That was that was some classic typical right there. It's Jeff, typically great. Typically great. Typically typical. And around this era of the Matthews band, Shake Me and Jimmy into Sexy MF were uh, usually paired together. And that's exactly what you have here. And uh, you know, Bruce, that's about all I got to say about that. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was um very very common and not my favorite into the shows, but whatever. Um, it, they were thrown at the end of sets and in the encores. Um, I believe so. Just no. Then once we get to the encore, though, we do get a nice Christmas song that is always nice to get in the fall tour. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many times it's played, and then a interesting choice of if only here in the encore, which is. Another just kind of sleepyish song. Tim does some cool stuff in it. It's not a terrible song. I'm not begging to hear it at shows, but just an interesting wrench here in the encore spot.
1: Yeah, I'm not I don't know, I'm not a big if only guy. It just mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't quite do it for me. I know it's an it's a good song and it sounds good on the studio. I just I think it's kinda boring live. But Watchtower is not and they always bring the heat on Watchtower more so the past couple years 2018 2019 i think it's it's somehow gotten better and we'll get into that later but solid ending to a to a okay show
0: for sure yeah solid so you know that was a 12 8 2012 the first show for dmb at mohegan sun arena and we're going to move on to the december 2nd 2018 show their second show at mohegan where um i think this one is a lot more noteworthy in my opinion nolan so i think we have a little bit more to talk about here starting with the opener
1: hands down a better show so dave clearly saw the set list from the last time they played it and was like okay here we go and they open with number forty-one, <laughs> and this is the first forty-one opener in three years since twenty-fifteen, and uh, listed on the almanac. Shout out to our guys on the almanac, possibly in the in memory of George H. W. Bush, forty-first president of the United States, who passed away a few days prior. So, who knows if that is uh, accurate? Um, but that would be pretty cool if they if they did that. And uh, mm-hmm. forty-one opener, yes.
0: Oh, yeah, anytime. I don't care what the reasoning is, whether it's the 41st show somewhere or whether it's you know in honor of a president like that. Um, I think that that's, a, that's pretty cool if that is true. An awfully rare coincidence, I guess, if not true, but yes. very interesting nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And it's a good version, uh, Nolan. Not anything overly noteworthy, but it seemed like it was a little bit slower pace of a 41 mm-hmm. um, and just
1: kind of a nice way to ease you into the show. Yeah, I thought Tim did some nice stuff here in the uh, the jam and outro of this particular version uh but one thing that we need to just press pause on and have a an announcement to make Bruce and oh boy um we at the gray street podcast are hereby banning chanting at the end of 41 and <laughs> of any kind so whether that be everyday or thank you for letting me be myself. We're just not going to do that. That's not, that's going to, that just ruins the song. It prolongs the song. We like the shorter forty ones the pack a punch and we don't need chanting. So if you're doing it, stop now. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: don't be complicit with that. Um, yeah, I would, uh, I can sign that. I can sign that change.org petition. Thank you. Um, But yeah, anyway, so they're, you know, they're singing along with thank you, I guess, in the outro. Um, No, thanks. But um, we move on with the show with uh, That Girl Is You. It was a common opener back in 2018, but now we get it in the two slot. Um, Sure, whatever. Um, well, you can't just yeah. act like that about your favorite song, so let's... Oh, we'll talk about this song a little later, <laughs> because we have some uh, come tomorrow, second anniversary stuff to talk oh. about, but um, yeah, it's, it's not the worst song live, let's just go with that, and <laughs> that'll be it for now. And another song that's not the worst song live, Y.I.M., pretty, pretty solid, um, gets, you, gets the energy flowing early in the set. And then we, we take it back down a little bit with a common satellite. But, Nolan, here's where the show, in my opinion, gets really interesting. Don't Drink the Water shows up yet again here at Mohegan. What? And Dave does another very
1: unique segue. I don't know what it is about the water at Mohegan Sun, but Dave is drinking it. Am I right? And uh, he goes into Seek Up, which is very uncommon again in Bruce well definitely one of the highlights of this show uh, buddy strong makes this song his own and who we've got some good stuff to play from this absolutely
0: um you know like you're saying buddy makes it his own he is coming into his own in 2018 um, as a member of the Dave Matthews band and some of the stuff from seek up that I heard from buddy in 18 was really you're exactly right. Um, and he does it in the background on the intro that we'll play a little bit of because the intro starts off well with Rashawn and Jeff and Tim um, throwing in some background stuff too but Buddy's adding some interesting stuff, some layered stuff and then at the end um, he like you said, he owns the outro and even Dave was like, "Um,
1: yeah, you're GOAT Oh yeah, a nice acknowledgement by Mr. Matthews for Buddy Strong and it's like I, I don't know this it caught me off guard a little bit just how how good it was and how it was that the piano sound on seek up I just maybe I haven't listened to a seek up in a while with like Butch um, but man beautiful playing by Buddy here yeah absolutely so let's uh, let's take a listen. Buddy we miss you we love you can't wait to hear you tickle those ivories again soon (laughs) yes uh one song that maybe we are okay with not hearing soon is can't stop although our our dear friend brendan will be very disappointed he can't hear it live for quite some time (laughs) but just another standard version of this one with uh I believe there were fifteen. "Free the beast inside of me," yelled, and that was followed up with "Oh my God!" <laughs> uh, with you and me, and then that was followed up with "Say goodbye." Yes,
0: oh yeah, we waxed on about this in the '97 show that we did with um, with the Almanac guys, um, and this is, I think, Rob's all time favorite song. He said, but just he loves "Say Goodbye." Oh, I don't think he liked it that much. Great version. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like it at all Um, but if you haven't heard those episodes with the Almanac what are you doing like seriously pause this one right now go download those and listen and then come back Um, but yeah this is a great version Nolan Carter is just you know he just loves to destroy things and he begins to destroy this just early on even before Jeff comes in and it was I just really enjoyed it (laughs)
1: I did too. I could just listen to this version and song on repeat all day. It's a perfect day for it. Try it. Do it. Mm, That was goat. Um, Also, there was a little
0: groove that Jeff and Carter locked in on and I can't put my finger on it. It sounds like a song and it just is in my head and I don't know if, if anyone knows if that's a, an actual song, if that's an interpolation of something, uh, let us know or let the Almanac know because I don't know what it is and it sounds like something. Also Almanac Um, I'd give this a segue to denote um, it coming out of itself and going into the stone. Mm. Um, There really isn't any pause whatsoever. It's basically say goodbye ends, and here comes the stone. I would give that a segue. Nolan?
1: Uh, Yeah. Need that say goodbye segue arrow into stone. Man. So that's... Mohegan, I don't know what it is, man. They get some cool segues, and... Obviously, this is incredible. Two of our favorite songs, two DMB songs that are in my top 10 of all time. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Great job, Dave. Great job, team.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: And of course, Nolan, this was the only time
0: it was played in the fall of 2018. Yeah. Like, what? Why? I don't get it. I don't either. Um, just one stone of the entire fall. I mean, they had a few missteps in here, but it was an overall good version. I mean, if you played it, uh, you'd probably nail it. If you played it more, like, just a little thought there. But uh, still solid version, Nolan. And I think yeah. that Jeff does a just fantastic job on the outro.
1: Dude, Jeff has just slayed this song uh, since the first time he played on it, which we saw. And, God. It's just, what he does on this is so good. I'll also add that what is, Tim has added to the intro I, I really mm-hmm. like it he's taken it up a notch and uh, I just wish they played it more even listening on uh, Sirius XM whenever they play the studio version they have this little like excerpt from Jeff and he's like, yeah you know Stone's a song that we don't play that often but you know we love it we nail it I'm like well, why don't you play that often well, I don't yeah. everyone loves it what do you why I know
0: I know. It's just, it is, it is just absolutely bizarre. And we love this outro so much that uh, stay tuned for the end of this episode. We're going to throw on the entire outro to the stone here. Um, we'll probably cut out some of the crowd singing, but um, you know, the music part portion of it, you will hear it all in the outro of this episode. So stay tuned for the very end. Nolan, you referenced some unique segues that Mohegan is getting. We get another one mm-hmm. right after the stone. Um, as they throw in a unique cover that they haven't done too often in their history, but um, something that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and I remember when they first started doing this segue, and we were like, oh, that's awesome. Um, I was able to see it live in the actually a few weeks later um, in Charlottesville, Sweet Emotion into Minarets. And uh, it's not my favorite cover that they do. I'll be honest. Uh, I think it's cool that they tried it and went for it, and, I mean, they do a, they do a good job on it, for sure. Um, for some reason, I always just feel like it, it drags a, a little too long, and maybe that's just because I've always, like, think of this song, and I think of the intro, and, like, when the song starts, and I'm like... I think of when it's playing at the beginning of Dazed and Confused, and that's one of my all-time favorite <laughs> movies, and then it just kind of fades away i'm like oh there's more to this song than the first minute oh yeah and uh (laughs) but it's good yeah
0: yeah absolutely um it starts off a little weird a little little clunky i guess but I, i would imagine that the whole building was rocking on this one um and they also have a little clunking on the a little clunky ending here um that they didn't quite nail, but that's okay because they are still going for this segue, um, and the fact that you know, they made this choice to pair it with minarets, and I, I think they did it a couple times, um, is awesome. I love that pairing, and I think that it's a very smooth and well put together segue.
1: Yeah, the segue definitely works, and uh, man, I love that they've. Have- gone all in on minarets and it's just become the song that's in the regular rotation these days and it has been for a better part of this decade and kudos to them it's awesome
0: absolutely um and just another awesome outro on minarets here and just you know it's just another solid version what a fun song and then we get another um piece of unique music here with Kill the King, yes. which made its return for fall of 2018. Just a really nice run that they have going on here. And they throw this in there. I only played it a few times, I think, in the fall. And, um of course, did not play it in Seaville. We didn't get it. But, <laughs> no. um, you know, it was played a few times, and it was pretty cool.
1: Oh, yeah. And I remember when this song debuted, it was June sixth, two 2006. And uh, following along on the boards and eagerly awaiting to download this song when uh, the tape came out. And I've always loved the song. I think it's a shame that it's never been on an album and wasn't on an album with the other 06 songs. Um, but, uh, you know, Dave definitely feeling political, bringing this song back. And I love it. Great protest song from Dave. This is one of the better songs I think he's written. In the last 15 years, and I loved listening to it. I listened to it a second time when re-listening to the show, and there's some cool lyrics that he throws in. Um, it's changed a little bit since 06, but one of note that I really liked was, it's that idiot wind blowing inside your head, man, it must be nice, and a little <laughs> little ode to Bob Dylan there with idiot wind. Uh, that's That's pretty cool.
0: That is cool. Um, And absolutely, it is definitely a politically charged song. And I think we should throw some of that in right here. Um, But what, you know, they kind of started it off weird. I don't know what the reason was they started off clunky. We're not going to play that, but you can go uh, figure it out and find that and listen to the weird beginning. (laughs) But, I mean, the rest of it sounds good, Nolan. I mean, I don't really understand why they don't play it too much. Maybe I don't, you know whatever we'll it's never know those things but we're gonna play it right now
1: Dave, for bringing that one back, it was very fitting. Um, You know, next up we got "Where Are You Going," standard. Then Nancy's and Mm -hmm. man, sometimes I feel like Nancy's gets taken for granted. Like it starts and you're like, oh, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, great point.
1: It's Nancy's again. Like you know, seen it so many times and blah 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 blah. But I mean, once this song gets going. It never disappoints, and the jam, Tim is just, he brings it. Absolutely, and I'm, I love that that was a substitute for uh,
0: the violin solo, uh, that they threw a Tim solo at the end, um, just full of energy, full of unique stuff, pretty cool. And, I mean, who doesn't dance during the outro of Nancy's? Oh, so I mean, good. If not, then probably don't go to a Dave show. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was awesome. Just a late set, Nancy's really, really good brings the energy back up after where are you going um and then brings the energy back down with a little space between um you know that's kind of a nice song but not not one that i clamor to hear um she comes in here nolan another come tomorrow song Mm -hmm. another come tomorrow tune which was often paired uh with ants here at the end of the set Mm -hmm. and um you know we'll talk about she just in a few minutes but you know it's it's a decent live song and i think that uh I think that, you know, we
1: both enjoy it. Oh yeah. No, I think it's a very underrated song and we'll get into it here in a few minutes. But uh jumping back to Space Between real quick, I like it as a like a break from them just mm-hmm. going balls to the wall. But when the song two songs before that was Where Are You Going, I would I would just take one of those. Yeah. So a little odd there, but yeah, so she ant and that's a nice way to end the set and then uh pretty cool in the e1 slot so much to say and so much to say does not segue into anyone seeing the bridge uh instead it goes into watchtower and there's a cool little funky jam uh led by Carter Tim and Fons join in on and I had to re-listen to it a little bit to like understand did I like skip something what is what is going <laughs> on here but it's pretty cool. I I like it.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it sounds like maybe at the beginning Carter thought they were going into bridge. Mm-hmm. Um but then it like sounded like oh, maybe they're leading into Halloween. Carter, I think Carter was in complete control here. Um it just jumped out at me the first time I heard it. I was like, "Oh, maybe Carter messed up and thought that they were going into bridge for a second, but uh I don't think so." He doesn't mess he up. it's just No, exactly. Um, How dare me? (laughs) And I gave myself a spanking for that. Um, But yeah, this is a really cool segue here, a unique portion of music that we're definitely going to have to play for everyone to hear because this is not something that you get too often. Uh, So much to say into Watchtower. Uh, Let's go.
1: show with that uh, with another unique segue the show of unique segues and I think that made this this a really cool show certainly better than the 2012 show and uh, hope you guys enjoyed our review of the two shows at Mohegan Sun um, capping it off with a with an epic watchtower stairway to heaven interpolation it's a uh, the song is on fire.
0: Oh, yeah. It's a good one. It's always a good way to close everything out. I'd like to see a Watchtower open, actually, or a mid-seven. Oh, They're always fun, too. Yes. But I think a Watchtower opener yes. would be really cool. Um, so, you know, 2021 DMB, bring out the Watchtower opener. Um, let's. I'm, I'm willing to see. I'm really willing to see that. Um, yeah, Thank you, Mohegan Sun, for uh, providing two DMB shows we could <laughs> find and provide for you guys, as opposed to having um, the tour openers there, the two tour openers, we tried to give you guys at least some music from Mohegan Sun and the Dave Matthews Band. Nolan, so that was our tour opener, and we're going to go ahead and go into something else, mm. which is a first for us, and... It comes off of the heels of the second anniversary of the most recent album that we just kind of referenced, Come Tomorrow, which turned two on, I believe, June 8th, Nolan. And tell the fans here what we're going to do.
1: Yes, Bruce, we are going to rank the Come Tomorrow songs from worst to best. That's right. We're going to celebrate the two-year anniversary of its release with some Gray Street Pod rankings. And... I don't think we're going to agree on all of them, and that's what is going to make this fun, Bruce. So let's start it off right now. Who wants to go first? Sounds
0: great. I I can go first. Uh, We'll start from um, worst to best here. And there are 14 songs, so we'll go through this, try to go through it quickly. My last place is That Girl Is You. I think that that was a, just a bad studio decision overall. Um, you have this massively talented group of musicians, and you only utilize one of them, and it wasn't that one's best effort. Um, I really get what Dave was going for there. I do give him credit for trying it and putting himself out there, but it just I just don't like it in the studio. It just kind of made me cringe the first time I heard it, <laughs> and I think it's much better live.
1: You know, I agree with everything that you said right there. Um, but it has grown on me and I think it's pretty groovy. Obviously I wish it wasn't a Dave only song. Um, but you know, I guess that's just what he was feeling with. That's just how he was feeling. Um, so much better live, so much better with the Pres Hall jazz band. Wow. I really enjoy that. Um, I actually, for my worst song, I had Come Tomorrow, and, you know, it's tough. I like the message of the song, and I appreciate what they're going for. To me, it just seems like the song, it doesn't fit on the album. It should have been a standalone single released in, like, some type of charity effort, um, to go toward Marjorie Stoneman Douglas or gun violence, something ending gun violence, something like that. Um, I still, mm-hmm. I just didn't think it really fit the album at all, and that's why I had it last. And I believe you had it second to last. So we're we're fairly on the same page there. Yeah, I'm just
0: yeah, exactly, uh, and no need to say really much more about it. I think is overall my least favorite song from the album, but I thought it was better done in the studio than "That Girl as You" was, so it's at thirteen for me. That's fair. But um, yeah, so Nolan, what is uh, what's number thirteen for you?
1: Well, this is uh, this is where we differ a little bit, but I've got "When I'm Weary" as okay. thirteen, and it is solely because it's Mark Batson playing piano. Oh <laughs> come on! I just. I don't get it. Like, I don't, like, why is it on the album? I don't, it's a, it's a nice song. It sounds great. I, Dave, his vocal delivery is great. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me that it's on the album. That's it.
0: Hmm. Okay, well, that's. I'll speak about that in a minute. Um, I'll go ahead and go to number 12 for me, and that's Black and Bluebird. Um, mm. I mean, I liked the song before it came out or before it was on the album and they botched it in the studio um they i don't know what they're doing to the carter's drum sounds when he's coming coming in and throughout it sounds like hip-hop drum machine you'd use on garage band or something um I, th- I thought they had a lot of studio potential with this song and they whiffed on almost all of those opportunities uh they cut out the outro where you can have some nice ambiance driven by tim some beautiful jeff thrown in there yeah um, and so I was really disappointed before I even heard the studio version and saw the song times and saw it was three something minutes. I'm like, Oh no. And then when I heard it, I was like, Oh no. And so I just, I do not like the studio cut of this at all. I like the
1: song. Um, I just don't think they did a good job with it. That's fair. I, I totally get what you're saying with that. And I kind of, I think the live versions are a little too long, but then they could have made. Yeah, I can get the, get on with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but the, they could have made the studio version like just somewhere in between, and you yes, know, exactly
0: what they needed to do. It needed to be like five minutes or six minutes.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it it needed an outro and not what sirens playing or something at the end. <laughs> just what that was weird. But other overall, I I still like it, and I've got it ranked a little higher. Um, but my my number twelve was that girl Is you for all the same reasons that we just talked about. So moving on then to 11 and Bruce, we have a match. Can't stop. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Okay. 11 can't stop. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on can't stop and we've, I feel like talked about it ad nauseum on the podcast, but I, I think it sounds pretty good in the studio. Um, obviously the Mm -hmm. free the beast inside me part is just we don't understand that um love the part won't you kill me just a little bit that part's cool um i think it after the bats and sessions from 06 leaked though i thought the song was worse because that version is great and there's a nice jam there with boyd and sounds middle eastern like Mm -hmm. what happened into the eastern yeah he still says it live. I know, I and mean, go into it. Well, why did they? Why did they get rid of that jam? Like, I don't know. As they did with most of the songs on this album, they just shorten them and they don't have any space to breathe. And that's what Lily White did so well. And they're they're missing that on this album as a whole. But. I don't know. I know you love the whooping cranes at the, the, yeah, dude. I mean, what are you talking about? They don't have things to
0: breathe. There's perfectly amount, good amount of breathing at the end done by whooping cranes. And, um, <laughs> then also they throw some strings in there at the end of the song with whooping cranes and they don't even segue to the strings on here on out. They're obviously the same strings. Like they're the same group of people doing it, mm-hmm. but make it segue yeah, and make it, like makes sense, and I don't know what the cranes are for. Maybe there's an inside thing when Fons comes on the podcast. Uh, maybe he can tell he us better. Um, but I just don't understand it. So okay, we had a match at eleven. That's cool. Now we're entering the top ten territory. Um, and Nolan, I have idea of you at ten. I think that most of the song here is well done but they and I thought it was just going to be a layup in the studio this is so easy to do so easy to produce just it's a simple song and you can just I mean they do such a good job with the song but they who whoever they is in this situation made some terrible decisions why would you take the live in uh, the intro take a live version of it and cut and paste it Onto the beginning of this song, um, I think that I believe maybe it was Rob Evans that said that they took it from a YouTube video mm-hmm. because they said they wanted to use it. Why don't you re-record it and re-record it studio, and it, that'll take five minutes and throw it on the front. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this like weird black hole, like sucking out of the music, like <sniffs> that is right after the first chorus that does not fit the tone of the song whatsoever. I mean, this is not some. Overly produced pop tune, okay, um, but the rest I thought it was okay because they leave some nice piano in there mm-hmm. in the middle of the song. Um, but those two decisions just—that's why
1: it was way down at ten for me. Yeah, no, I I get all of that too. Uh, I feel like we're pretty much on the same page, but I had idea of you ranked a little higher, um, just because I I really like the song, and I know the studio cut is not ideal um and it's worse knowing that they just ripped a video from youtube and copied and pasted it to the beginning like i will never understand that like what nope. what a decision like what are you doing it doesn't make any know. sense to me at all and there are just a few cuts in it that like you talked about like what are you doing but overall <laughs> overall i still like it as a song and think it's one of the stronger songs on the album. Um I actually had black and blue bird in this spot. Um we've mm-hmm. we just talked about that. But so that was number ten. Number nine. Why don't you why don't you take number
0: nine, Nolan? You you lead it off. It is
1: and <laughs> we have another match. Yes. Yes. Uh you know, I kinda I tinkered with this in my list a little bit, um, just because I mm-hmm. think it's I think it's cool. It sounds good, especially from mm-hmm. what it uh, evolved from in Be Yourself. Yeah, we saw the we saw the debut of Be Yourself. Yeah. So, we 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 are qualified to speak on Be Yourself. Yes, <laughs> very qualified. Overqualified. We wish we weren't. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's cool. It just should have been like a commercial like in BTCS. Um, I don't know why it's even listed I don't know why it's literally just the sounds of Dave that Dave used to make for the beat of the song um super weird but it should have just been a hidden hidden track in there
0: yeah uh yeah exactly so I think you know maybe they were going for a btcs commercial style but also putting the name there I mean you know batson was uh kind of teasing people before the album came out saying, oh, but this is a gift and you just can't wait to unwrap it on Christmas morning, all this stuff. Like you could kind of tell what it was, even though I had some uh sources with knowledge of the album and that had a lot of things right on this album um that delivered a lot of good information that said this was not Be Yourself, which I think either there had to be some miscommunication, but it, whatever. It's not Be Yourself, I guess. It's just the intro. But I just it just made zero sense being here. What, is it a troll job because they knew, you know, Dave knows that people didn't like the song. And Dave was just, oh, I mean, whatever. I'm throwing this in there. Uh, I mean, but it was kind of cool. It's kind of a cool interlude, I guess. Um, and it's fun. I, just, I actually want to hear more um, because it did sound fun and good, and I think that they could have done a good job. But anyways, yeah, that's
1: at number nine uh, for both of us, I guess. So, yep. Nolan, you're number eight. Number eight, I went with Sam Cop, and I actually really like Samurai mm. Cop. And uh, I think I just like all the other studio cuts um, that are remaining more. Obviously, that's why I ranked it there. But, uh, yeah, I think they could have done... They could have made it more, like the live debut um, version, and include mm-hmm. some some sax and some trumpet, and it was just lacking that, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I don't really know why they went that route. Yeah, I would. I mean, I kind of agree with you, and I'll touch on
0: Samurai Cop here in a few minutes. Um, my number eight is Here On Out, actually. Um, you know, a, a Dave solo song, but I and I do like it. Uh, there's just not a whole lot to say here. It was well done. Um, just, you know, it's not overly outstanding. It's just a solid, good, solid love song. Um, I believe both of us had it in some capacity at our weddings, um, you know, whether it be a cocktail hour song or something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I'm not sure, Nolan, was yours um, in the processional or anything? I don't remember. I think it was cocktail hour. It's you know it's it's a good it's a nice love song. It just didn't have enough, I guess, for me to be higher up on my list. And then um, number seven, I'll go ahead with "Do You Remember." Um, good song, we like it. Both of us, I know, like it. It was well done in the studio. It, it could have been better, but it was not terrible by any means. It didn't have anything in there that I thought was egregious. And you know, honestly. I think that I could swap my seven and six, and I think that's probably what I would rather do, but that's what, this is what I had prior to recording, so we'll keep it here, mm. uh, Nolan, but I, I did like Do You Remember, and I still like it, and I think they do a very good job with it live, um, so I think that it, it's a it's one of my more favorite songs from the album than it
1: uh, live than it was studio. I hear that. Yeah, I think I've got mine way higher than you do, um, but to me, this is... This might be my favorite song off the album and when it debuted, Dave and Tim mm-hmm. at Farmate, I was like I was in love with it. It's so good. To me, the studio version almost reminds me of like it's like a an ancestor of Proudest Monkey and Cornbread. If you like mash the two of them together, you would have Do You Remember? Oh, that is that is so unique. That is an interesting uh thing there. I like it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean it's, you know, it's that kind of middle of the road pace between those two songs and a pretty simple but catchy uh guitar riff and yeah, I've I really like Do You Remember. Um in this spot though, I had Come On Come On. Go. Okay. Which we differed on on rankings for that one as well, but I think it's a, it's a beautiful song and I love how you can like Dave's guitar is prominent. I just, I don't know. It doesn't sound like DMB to me um, completely. And, you know, I think that may be part of the reason why it kind of falls flat live a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I like the song a lot. I uh, just, I don't like the uh, Cupid's arrow lines. That's, I yeah. think that hurts it in my opinion. But that is all right. Next, we are going to number six. And for number six, I had Idea of you. Um, I, I think it's in the better half of the album. And Bruce, what did you have? I had When I'm Weary, actually. And I think, you know, now that I uh,
0: am talking about it more, I would put that down at seven and switch Do You Remember? And maybe even throw it below Here On Out, just because I like Here On Out. But I do really like this song. It's really pretty uh it just it honestly just kind of gives me chills every time mostly because of dave's uh delivery vocally and the strings i just i get really into strings uh the string music i think that they can really bring so much emotion to a song i don't mind that mark batson was playing the piano here i think he's a pretty decent piano player Mm. but um so i disagree i guess with you there (laughs) i thought that was funny that you said that thank you but I thought it was a good song. Uh, not so sure how I feel with it being on a DMB album, I guess, mm-hmm. and closing the album. Mm-hmm. I I guess, I mean, it makes sense that it's the closer of the album, if it's going to be on the album just because of its message. I don't know. Just kind of a an odd thing, but I thought overall just the... The emotion that I got from it, I think that it's right around in that six to eight range. I'd probably throw it down to eight now that I'm talking about it. But here it is at six. Um, so, yeah, um, that's what I had, Nolan, and you had idea of you at six. So now we're cracking into the top five. Now, this is where we really get into uh, the meat of the album. This is the good stuff right here. These are the ones that have replay value truly for me. Nolan, and I start off with number five, and it's the album opener. It's Samurai Cop. It's a mm-hmm. good cut. you know. I don't n- really know why they left in Dave not playing the intro cleanly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. So we can have some raw stuff, I guess, on, in the studio. Sure. But the rest of the song really does deliver for me, and what I was hoping they'd do with it in the studio, I think that you were right, uh, saying that they needed more horns. They did kind of miss out on that, which I think is why it's a little bit lower than a couple of the other songs on here. Mm -hmm. And finally, my final complaint, I guess, would be, you put a phone call at the end? What? Why? What does that mean? Yeah, I don't know why that's there. I
1: want to know. But
0: Yeah, I know. I want to know. But Samurai Cop, solid. I I think it deserves to be top five as a studio cut on this album in anyone's rankings.
1: And um, yeah, I thought they did a pretty good job with it. I hear you and on second thought I would for me swap out Sam Cop and come on come on. I would have I'd have Sam Cop at seven, I think. Yeah, it's 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 a solid track for sure. At number five for me is Again and Again. And I would have had it higher, but they changed it from Bob Law to Again and Again, and that's just not okay. <laughs> so sorry guys I it's a great studio track I think a lot of these songs I wish I said this for Samurai Cop but I wish it had just kind of stayed the way it had when it debuted and it was it was faster um like Dave on the on the keys for it I don't know I just don't like when songs they debut and kind of to me go uh, downhill a little bit they're never quite as good as they were when they debuted and I Although it's a a great uh, studio track, I think. Knowing what it was before kind of hurt it for me a little bit. But still, I've got it fifth. All right, up next, number four, our J.J. Reddick spot, Bruce. And I had Here On Out, and I think I'm going to already know your uh argument against it and that it is a Dave solo song and while i agree with you to me it's just it's a gorgeous song and mm-hmm. I'm, i think it's one of the better love songs that dave has written i love seeing this shows uh it's a good like it's a good breather of a song at a show and my wife likes it um it's it's a sweet song and i think i think they nailed it to be well, Dave nailed it and the strings nailed it. Um, God, it's it's really good to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I
0: can't argue with that. I think that it is a very good song, it's a good version. Um, very um, well done for the album, especially for you know, it's a Dave solo song they're gonna throw in there. That's cool. Um, and they, you know, it was well done in the studio, so that's cool. Good, um, good choice for number four. I you had it, had it ranked no eighth, right? I did, I had it uh, much further down. But, um, you know, I think I think that it deserves a top half of the album for sure. So we're right in that uh, same thing, but yours is a little higher. Love it. My number four is she. Um, she. I thought that they nailed it. I think also this is the best that this song will ever sound is on this studio. It just falls a little flatter live sometimes, but they just nailed the Sonics with this one. They just had... Everything is just so meaty and gritty and driving. I love it. Some don't like the song, but I don't care. I really like it and thought they
1: did a fantastic job with it in the studio. So it gets fourth for me. Yep, I had it third, so we're, we're feeling each other right here. We're, uh, we're on the same page. You know, I wish, knowing that uh, Dave just, like, walked into the studio and John Allegio was, like, playing the riff to it, and Dave was like, oh, that, like, that's a song. I, I don't know. I kind of wish Dave had come up with it, if that makes sense. Um, but, man, it's good. It's dark. Fun to dance to, I guess. Um, it's different than, I think, any song they've ever done, and that's what makes it yep. so cool to me. Um, I, I don't even know who else, what other like band I could compare it to or anything, but it's almost like it would fit on like every day and be the best song on every day or top three song on every day. You know, <laughs>
0: that's a, that's a good call.
1: Thanks. You now, if we're full of good calls on this podcast, if if you guys listening or just catching on, stay tuned. We have some more of those coming up and next we're going to go to your number three, Bruce.
0: Number three for me is again and again. I Wasn't a fan at first of what they did to this song. Um, I still prefer the faster-paced, the funkier Bob Law, I guess, versions before it was uh, given the album treatment um, as again and again. But I thought they did a great job with this in the studio. It's a great recording. Um, I really dig those extra fudgy, sludgy bass lines, I guess, from Fonz. Um, they're pretty cool. And they I think they did a really good job production-wise and just with the choices that they made um,
1: musically on this one, I really, really enjoy it. So that's my number three. I like it. Totally agree. Fonz is, uh, is an all-star on this album. Next, number two. And I've got Do You Remember? And we already talked about... Why I like Do You Remember So Much. Bruce, I know you like it because of the woos. Um, so that's cool.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I think that those are fun, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I'm sure Bruce does not like those, if you guys are wondering. but I don't care. Oh, he does. They don't bother me too, too much. No, they do. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, they do. Um.
0: So what's your number two? Uh, my number two is actually Come On, Come On. Um, it's similar to how I feel about She. It was nailed in the studio, and it won't ever be better than that. They, It's fair. Uh, you know, it's got Dave's 06 voice. Um, you know, it's used, I, I think, one of the Batson sessions is, um, his vocals from that is actually what they use for this album. I'm not 100% sure um, on that, on which Come On, Come On cut it is, but Regardless, it just sounds really, really good. I think that everything in this song done in the studio is perfect. They took out, I think, a couple of actually musical parts that are on the Bats and Sessions versions that I like, that I wish they would have kept, that they did not. Hmm. But, you know, such is life. I just really, really like it. And it is, obviously, uh, it's number two for studio cuts from Come Tomorrow for me.
1: And now... There's only one left, Bruce, and what do you know? We both agreed on our number one song from Come Tomorrow, and that is Virginia in the Rain. Mmm. Love that. I knew we would agree.
0: Um, I think we could tell that when we posted the picture of uh, Come Tomorrow and we asked people um, what... Of the Come Tomorrow vinyl, your uh, white vinyl that you were spinning the other day. Oh yeah! When we posted that and asked for people's favorite, uh, Virginia in the Rain, I think was the most common answer. Yep. And I think that that is a common uh, thought amongst everyone in the fan base that Virginia in the Rain is the best album uh, version of the song of a Come Tomorrow song. Um, very roundabout way of saying it. It's just it's just goat. It's fantastic. It's, you know, perfection, DMB perfection in the studio. This is what we come for. This is what we long for. It's what we want from our band in the studio. And Mm -hmm. I thought that there's just so much great layering, Nolan. And I just, I mean, there's so many things that I like about this. Oh,
1: yeah. Great layering. Incredible Tim fills. Fawn sounds good. Carter, it's a long just when you think the song's ending, nope. Keep going. And Yes. I love that. And Bruce, this was Rob Cavallo who produced this song, right? hmm Yes. Yeah, he he did a great job. Um, so much so. Even when we uh we talked to Norlander, I believe, he said this is an all time D M B studio track and I'm I'm in agreement with him. This is this is tough to beat in the studio, aside from like, everything BTCS, uh, but, like, this is unreal.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, um, you know, funny enough, a fun fact about this song is that it actually has the lovely ladies on it. Um, So in case you didn't know, I think a lot of people do know, but some may not, uh, the lovely ladies are in the background of the chorus of this song. You can hear them. So, and they were used well and, Mm -hmm. you know, thrown in the background there just to kind of accompany Dave's vocals. Um, It's not much from them, but a a well-used, I think, guest slot for them in the studio. And so that was pretty cool. And just, I mean, there's, how much more can you say about it? It's just a, it's just a great studio cut. It is pure perfection and um, it is by far, I think, the best song on the album, Mm studio-wise.
1: And... You know, there's no arguments there. No, it is flawless. And I'll also add that the Dave and Tim and Dave solo versions are so different and as equally as good. Uh, So uh, we've played that on the podcast before, but check those out, too, because the song is tremendous. And mm, can't say enough good things about it. Bruce, hypothetical for you here. We were both obviously very disappointed that Bismarck did not make this album. If it did and they nailed it, where would you rank Bismarck? Mm.
0: Man, it would pro- if they nailed it and they did what I would want for them to do with it, yes. I think it would be up there in that 1 or 2 range. Yep. Okay, good. Um I don't I don't think there's any doubt about it in my opinion if they nailed it and if they did what I would like for them to do, oh yeah, it would have to be up there.
1: Yep. Well, hopefully when we're doing an anniversary rankings of the next album, we'll have it in our top spot. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So um, yeah, that was our
0: first go at an anniversary album rankings, um, and we chose to do it with Come Tomorrow, um, as opposed to we've had a lot of other albums uh, to celebrate their (laughs) their, um, birthdays here in the spring. But hey, we need... We need some good DMB content here. We thought that that would be something fun. Um, if you guys want to throw us your rankings, send them our way. We'd love to hear what you guys think about the album and what, you know, where you think there's the highlights, the lowlights, um, what you thought. So happy second birthday come tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, Nolan, it's been a fun time to uh, go over Mohegan, go over the Come Tomorrow album. But I think it's time for us to wrap this up and, you know, just a little preview. We will be doing this, um, the best of Mohegan style episode as much as we can uh, this summer. Definitely no promises on hitting every venue, your favorite venue, all that stuff. But we will do our best to keep up with at least a good chunk of them. Um, That's what we feel like, you know, we owe to you guys and something fun we could do for the summer, uh, the non-summer tour, summer tour. (laughs) So we will try to do our own tour of the summer. So um, if you guys have any suggestions of uh, shows from certain venues that will be showing up uh, on the now-canceled 2020 summer tour, let us know. We'd love to hear any suggestions possible. Um, We're going to be doing Deer Creek next, but we already have that picked out. So we will surprise you guys with that next week as well. But any other suggestions, we are certainly welcome to them. Yes,
1: we are. And you can give us those suggestions um you can email us uh graystreetpod at gmail.com or you can track us down on social media we are at graystreetpod on instagram and twitter the corner of gray street podcast facebook page and be sure to download our show and listen to it um you can find it anywhere you get your podcast spotify apple stitcher The list goes on and on. We appreciate you guys listening and supporting us. And uh, can't wait to hit that 41K mark very soon, Bruce.
0: Absolutely. And once again, happy one-year anniversary to you and to us. And to you. And to all of our fans and everything. Thank you very, very much. Um, Tell your friends. Tell other day fans. Please get them all in here. Let's... um, Let's do this, and yeah, thanks, Nolan, for hopping on to review some of this stuff. Oh, you too, brother, and I look forward to our next one. Um, it's going to be an, a different summer, but we will we'll do our best to make it entertaining for the listeners. That's for damn sure. Oh yeah. So I guess you know, thanks for listening yet again, everybody, and remember, here's a little bit of the Stone outro here on our outro enjoy that and we'll see you guys and gals next time on the corner of gray street